Let's go to Vegas right now and talk to Steve Mims of the Eugene Register Guard. Follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Mims underscore RG. Steve, how are the vibes in Vegas right now? They're pretty nice. We've uh, went down and watched the early game today. Arena's looking good and ready to go tonight. What happened with Tad Boyle today? Can you explain that? <laughs> yeah, there was a little skirmish at the end of the game, and as he raced out there to try to make sure none of his guys did anything to get him ejected and DQ'd from the next game, it sounds like he... Uh, pulled a thigh muscle out there and was in a walking boot as he left. So uh, I guess he's day-to-day for tomorrow. (laughs) Nobody is safe. Um, You know, on that front, should we be surprised? I mean, we're we're talking about um, this Oregon team and the inconsistencies that they've had, but I look at the Arizona State team that lost to Colorado today, and I'm not sure if I've ever seen a team be ranked as high as third in the nation in the non-conference finish ninth in their own conference, and bow out in the first round convincingly. Like, what do we make of the Sun Devil season? Yeah, I don't know. You know, Hurley's a pretty intense guy. I always wonder if maybe he wears on his guys a little bit, if he's, you know, can kind of get their attention early in the season, and then maybe it's, you know, just kind of gets a little bit more exhausting to play for him as it goes on. But, you know, they they beat Kansas and Xavier, like you say, and you know, there are people saying that at that point they should have been number one in the polls just based on their resume. And, you know, they end up, you know, last year was a bad season, and they went 7-11 and in the Pac-12, and then this year, and what was supposed to be a great season, they go 8-10. So, in the end, it, it didn't look a whole lot different than last year. Just take away those two big wins early on. You can follow Steve on Twitter, at Steve Mims underscore RG. All right, Steve, turning our attention to tonight's game, Oregon taking on Washington State. What do the Ducks have to do differently this time around, as opposed to when they faced Washington State and lost to them a week ago? Well, I think a lot of it's just sort of energy at the start. You know, they, they just didn't, you know, they got this decent start at Washington State, but then, you know, there were 2,500 people there, 11th place in the Pac-12. I think they got lulled a little bit. and um, You know, they don't have a team that's kind of had that, hey, we got to come out and play hard every game type because they don't have a whole lot of veterans who've done that before. So, you know, I, I, I mentioned, you know, before that game, you know, Dana Alton made a point to say, hey, they were close against Stanford, and Stanford blew us out thinking that would get their attention clearly didn't, but I think, you know, the fact they lost him six days later, he feels like he should have that attention now, so you can't imagine they overlook him this time, just with all that's on the line and the fact that they have some tape from less than a week ago of losing, but we'll see. Normally we see an Oregon team kind of be able to channel the energy and the vibe of Vegas and play close to their ceiling at the Pac-12 tournament. Do you expect a similar type of dynamic with this team, or is there something to be said for the fact that since they are so young and have been through so much inconsistency, especially on the road this season, that uh, there there might be something to be said for Bright Lights of Vegas maybe playing a negative role with this team? Yeah, we'll see. You know, I mean, part of that could be, you know, Troy Brown's from here. He's going to be the hometown kid. of the be see how he reacts, you know, the first time playing in his hometown in college and, still carrying kind of the weight of expectations that have been on him. So, so I think that could be a key guy to watch. But, you know, I, I think the other guys, you know, the Pritchard and McIntosh, Brown guys have been through it. And, you know, the freshmen now been through a whole Pac-12. So I wouldn't think that just being here would, would have, a you know, a negative effect on them in terms of the lights being big. It's, you know, it's kind of another conference game at this point. But I do think Brown will be an interesting one to watch, just see if he can kind of keep his composure in a homecoming game. Who's the favorite? in this tournament uh, if it, it's got to be Arizona but it, who has a chance to maybe match Arizona yeah you know I've liked USC this year and then they just built right so they certainly come in with a question there UCLA has been pretty up and down and Stanford's playing well 
you know, beating Cal today. So, um, it's and it's, it's a bizarre conference when you go in and there's, you know, other than if you don't run in Arizona, you're not playing a ranked team. So I think everybody kind of feels like there's, you know, unless you're playing Arizona in your bracket, you, you, I think everybody in Oregon's side of the bracket feels like they can get to that title game just because you don't have to, you know, last year UCLA, Oregon, and Arizona were all ranked in the top ten coming in. So it was a tough road for some teams just to get through the semis before you ran into a ranked team, but not the case this year. So I like the way Stanford's been playing down the stretch. You know, I, I think Oregon, you know, has the talent-wise with that bracket, but also Utah, you know, not having played today gives them a nice little advantage, and they come in playing pretty well. Earlier this week, we saw the postseason awards, and Peyton Pritchard made second team all-conference, and Dana Altman spoke about how much responsibility he's put on Pritchard as a sophomore this year. Uh, what What are your thoughts on how Peyton has handled his sophomore season, given the uh, the amount of transfer of talent from last year to this year, the leadership role that was thrust upon him, and now he ended up making second team All Pac-12, but at the same time, it didn't come with the team success that he's accustomed to. Yeah, you know, I think it was tough taking on so many roles. You know, he's their leading scorer, which um, you know last year he was averaging seven a game. He's doubled that. I think the, you know one thing is you know the two seniors that came both grad transfers. So now you got a sophomore who's your veteran, who's the guy the coach trusts the most, and he's putting it all on. And then you're dealing with two seniors who probably feel a little bit like, hey, you know, we're the seniors, but yet they don't have the experience. So it's been kind of an odd dynamic, you know, all year for Oregon. I think it's probably led to some of their inconsistencies. For Oregon to make it and make a run to the Pac-12 tournament title game, who needs to be the X factor? Who needs to be the guy that makes the all-tournament team and, and maybe most outstanding player for the Ducks to catch some fire here? I think Elijah Brown, you know, it's just, it's kind of been a struggle for him again all year long, just kind of figuring out how he fits into this offense. I think he needs to have one of those, you know, three games and three nights, like you say, where he just comes out and sit up and, um, you know, can kind of get some points and, and hit some threes and kind of be some instant offense for them. And, you know, he, he's done it at times, certainly the Arizona games and both of those, he came through in some big games, but I think they need him to, to kind of put a string of them together that he hadn't done really so far. What do you think the odds are that Oregon can make it to the Pac-12 title game? They would have to obviously win tonight, beat Utah tomorrow, beat most likely USC in the semifinals. Can you talk yourself into that scenario at all? You can. You know, I mean, one thing you mentioned, Utah and USC, that's two teams that Oregon's 0-3 against this year. Now, you know, there's, like I say, the USC doesn't have boat right anymore, and Oregon didn't have Paul White when they played Utah. He was out with a concussion. So, I mean, Oregon's got some different things, but they do have two teams in front of them that not only they haven't beaten this year, but both those teams will be fresher. They'll have had a, a day off that Oregon didn't have. So I think you can talk yourself into it. Like I said, they can heat it up, but I think at the same time you look and, and the odds will be a little bit stacked against them just in terms of getting three, much less four. If Oregon's streak of making NCAA tournaments ends this year and they go to the NIT, is that a disappointment? I think it'd be a disappointment. I, you know, I've had people say that, you know, a, a failure or something. I don't think that just because, you know, you're coming off an Elite Eight, you knew you lost a lot, you've got a good recruiting class coming in next year, so it's not like anybody's seeing this as, you know, the start of a decline. But I think it's a disappointment just because, like you say, I mean, when you've been there five in a row and Auburn's probably had some teams less talented than this that got to the tournament, just kind of meshed together better early than this team didn't. So I think it'd be certainly be disappointing. Oregon's reached that point where if you don't make the tournament, it's a disappointment. But at the same time, I think there's enough coming next year and they're coming off a a final four to where I don't think there's anybody who's going to look and, and try to question where the program's headed. Last thing for you, Steve. If Oregon wins tonight, then they'll play tomorrow again at 8.30. Are you a fan of these late tip-offs that the Ducks have in Vegas? 
I'm not because I got a deadline, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of nice to have the, the day free. You know, you kind of like sleeping in doing that. But you know, when they were, you know, if, if USC had lost or UCLA on Saturday, they would have played at 2:45. So I'm not going to lie, I was I was cheering pretty hard for the Trojans on Saturday night. That'd be nice to have a 2:45 game and and work it that way. But yeah, no, it, it's late night. In fact, I think they've even listed the TV time for tonight as 8:41. So yeah. uh, you know, maybe the bees going to overtime and we don't start the thing till after nine. We'll see, but. Uh, certainly it's going to be a, a, a quick turnaround to, to get a story in print for tomorrow. See, it's the game within the game, you know? <laughs> yeah, like you say, they, they're worried about their their performance. I'm worried about mine. So I, I, I look at things like, you know, like you said, time, what time it's going to end, when deadline is. Those, those are some of the certain things that matter to me that not a whole lot of people are going to care about. See, sports writers and athletes, they're one and the same. You can only focus on what you can control, Steve. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. Hey, follow him on Twitter, at SteveMims underscore RG. It's good talking to you, Steve. Thanks for joining us. You got it, man. Good to talk to you.